You're listening to the Eat Scripture Podcast with Eric and Gina Robinson, and we are doing a series on the Psalms, mm-hmm. and we're really excited about it. I hope that this um, series will be an encouragement to you as oh, yeah. you read through these Psalms. Um, sometimes we just read them and think it's beautiful poetry and mm-hmm. praises God, and yes, all of that is true, yep. but there's a lot of depth in here and a lot that we miss, Right. and so I hope this will just... Um, take you a little deeper oh yes that's what we really want you to be able to see some more of the depths of scripture so hopefully right from this psalm which really kind of gets into one of the reasons we chose this particular one we're doing psalm 8 today yep psalm 8 and there is wonderful things to see in it just from the perspective of the original writer what he must have been thinking about how god loves his creation loves people those who bear his image and what he's done for them uh how he's given them a place of dominion and authority you know in creation kind of walking in his stead but then what's done with this particular psalm in the new testament especially by the hebrew writer um is just over the top just absolutely fantastic beautiful and and uh he really shows us where he thinks the crux of this thing needs to be found right. and, and seen. So I, that's really what we're going to look at. Yeah, it's really going to teach us something about how to read not just the Psalms, but scripture in general. So, yeah, it's going to be great. Okay, well, um, before we get started, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you for sharing our podcast with friends and family. Mm-hmm. And, um, we do have a website, eatscripture.com, if you would like to go there and see other things that we're doing in our ministry. Mm-hmm. If you don't see what you need, please shoot us an email. Mm-hmm. Our email address is on there. And um, there is a donate button if you would like to partner with us in our ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, Other resources yeah. like books and so forth, yeah. um, you can find on there. But we are just always happy to have you joining us and sharing the podcast or whatever uh, we have with others uh, when you get a chance. So thank you all for the time that you give us. Let's go ahead and use that time best we can. We'll jump into Psalm 8, and I think we'll just begin by reading the whole thing. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Beautiful stuff. And he uses that same line to both start and end the song. Yeah, the so. perfect bookends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would be called an inclusio in yes. technical terms. Um, just a, a beginning. Or an envelope. It's exactly the same. Okay. 
We can go with that. Not to love. <laughs> a, is that what I you saw it somewhere. I, yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't even realize that was a thing. But it works absolutely. It encloses the whole thing. So yes, envelope, inclusio, something like that. Um, and uh, you can see how. So that line kind of sets a tone for us mm-hmm. as far as the whole psalm is to be seen. Oh Lord, our Lord. So O oh, Yahweh, our Adonai is how we begin here. Oh, Yahweh, our Adonai. We see both of these terms used. Of course, Yahweh is his name. We see master or Lord used throughout the Old Testament for him. And actually that becomes the word when they stop using the name Yahweh for fear of mispronouncing mm-hmm. it and uh, therefore bringing dishonor to the name however you want to say it, misusing the name. The the Jews later later on after this had been written for a while, you know, and many of the scriptures had been written for a while, stopped speaking the name Yahweh and started using Adonai. And so so whenever they would come across Yahweh, they would use Adonai. They probably would read this Psalm, O Adonai, our Adonai. Um, if they were reading if it out loud. If they were just reading it out loud, because you wouldn't want to mispronounce Yahweh. But we can see certainly by looking on the page that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, this is Yahweh's name used here. So, O Yahweh, our Lord, as opposed to any other mm-hmm. master mm-hmm. they might have, which they don't, right. hopefully. Um, how majestic is your name? Right. And I think that's where we're putting the emphasis here. Your name in all the earth. It's your name that's majestic. It's your name that's perfect and overall it's things. Yahweh. It's referring back to that. Yeah. Oh, Yahweh, our Adonai. Exactly. How majestic is your name? Yes. The name means everything to them. The name is a big, big deal. And you've got to think back to Moses mm-hmm. hearing from God whenever he was asking, who do I tell him sent right. me? Uh, when they ask who what God you're talking about and I tell him and God tells him you say I am you tell them I am sent me to you Um, and that's a big deal you just think about what all's caught up in that name I mean it'd be one thing to have the you know have different names even like Baal had meaning master or it was another word for master or husband um, Baal Um, and that's you know that's a noun it says more about who he is whereas I am is such a plain statement yes such Uh, a it's eternal yeah it's not giving a beginning or an end right just it's just existence yes Yes. existence I am I just am I am you tell them the one who is see you you know I was sent by the one who is um, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just love what all import that carries. And his name is majestic. His name should be held in honor. His name is perfect and powerful and yes. has all that, you know, all that you need is caught up in that name. And so how majestic is your name in all the earth? Let's revere that name, honor that name. That's what the Jews would want to happen. And you think about passages like, uh, or I do anyway, passages like um, where we hear that God's name is being derided among the nations and or has the chance to be. There are times when Moses asks God to save the people for God's namesake. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And the idea is that your name should be held up. And if you don't save this people, even though they're bad people, then people will say Yahweh wasn't that powerful a God after all. Turns out Yahweh wasn't that big a deal. It'll be uh, obviously they 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 lost or they died out or something bad happened to those Israelites. Apparently their God wasn't as big and powerful and wonderful as that Yahweh. He he just wasn't a big deal of a God. Ruining his reputation. Ruining your reputation exactly. Um, and so for his name to be majestic in all the earth, keep his name held high. Yahweh should be a name that's remembered and praised and exalted because you are powerful because you are bigger, greater, far beyond all the all And they were actually, the Jews were, and I still are, <laughs> mm-hmm. their name, the Shemites, mm-hmm. yep. actually means people of the name. That's right. So modern, you see modern day what we call Semites, so Jews, but yeah, the, the word comes from Shem in Hebrew, mm-hmm. which means name. So like you're saying. Anytime you see when you're reading through scripture and you see something about his name, mm-hmm. uh, you better back up and read it again because mm-hmm. it has much more weight than just saying her name was Sally. I mean, right. that's not, it's not the same. It's not just something on a name tag. This is, carries a lot of weight. Yes. And it's right. important. Yeah. And you do not, his name is important. It carries weight. It actually does Big things happen when his name is spoken and right. brought into a situation. Um, it's a big deal. So, so it's for a this to name. begin this psalm and end it mm-hmm. with that is uh, says a lot yeah, about it's how beautiful, actually. Yeah, it is. So then he says, "You've set your glory above the heavens. You've set your glory above the heavens. Mm-hmm. So he's above all things. He's mm-hmm. his glory is above all things." Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing that is over it or above it. It feels almost like the cloud of glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, covering the, the people. Yeah. Shekinah glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That 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 we talk about sometimes. It's above even the heavens. There's nothing greater. Mm-hmm. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength. Well, that's because I'm convinced this babies and infants here, I think we're not talking about necessarily little children, although at times possibly too. But I think a larger, in, it more largely encompasses in a poetic idea, those who are completely helpless. Right, which is all of us really. Right, which now. is all of us really. Yes, exactly. <laughs> all of us really. Um, and so you've out of their mouth, it says you've established strength. That's because they're able to speak the name. Mm-hmm. We're going right back to the name here. It's his name that's majestic above the all, all the earth. And these mouth, even of his little ones who are helpless, those who have no other recourse can speak the name Yahweh and their strength in that so from their mouths from the most helpless ones they can speak the name Yahweh and that brings strength and you establish strength to come from their mouths uh, that's a big deal they may not they may have weak arms they may not be able to help themselves get themselves out of a jam that they're in but they can call on the name of Yahweh and when they I do yes. yep that's when all things Yahweh's the one who makes it happen Yahweh's the one with all the strength so beautiful in that way. I, I just absolutely love what it's saying there. 
So you've established strength and then the rest of the the verse because of your foes to still the enemy and the and the avenger. So out of the mouth of babies you've established strength. Yes. Yeah. Why? Because of your foes to still them, to still that in the avenger. Right. That's why. Because they that should helps be me. That's down. a little confusing right there to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's the the break would really I mean, just for my thought's sake too, happens between uh, strength and because in our happened right before the because um, the the baby's mouths are how the strength has been established through them and then it's so that your enemies will be silenced so that your enemies will be put down so I, I think right in there we have the beauty of um, how great the name is and what the name is able to do which is amazing Amazing. We should be stunned yes. by all the all that we see coming out of those two verses alone. But let's go on to these next ones too. So when we are looking at verses three and four, now we're just building on that idea because God's so big and his name is so great. Now he's saying, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, moon and the stars, which you've set in place. So I'm looking up and this is just amazing. Yes. What you've made, created, uh, beyond thought. You know, who could come up with such a thing and so far beyond us, beyond what we experience um, or the ability to think about doing such a thing. Then what is man, verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? I think this this is where I want to spend a little bit of time right here. This is obviously a synonymous parallelism when it was originally written. I mean, it seems like you can easily Mm -hmm. see a synonymous parallel. And it's probably the line in here that most people recognize and remember. Yes, Um, right. Because I think you can just imagine that he's looking up at the stars. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that he says, work of your fingers there. He says, work of your hands in verse 6. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's this delicate, like, putting the stars in place mm-hmm. even um, with his fingers. Yeah. But he's looking up. He sees all of this perfection in this big galaxy. And yeah. he says, why are you even thinking about man yeah exactly so what is man i mean you're giving any feeling your tininess all yeah just feeling how tiny he is and we've all felt that at some point whether you've stood on the edge of the grand canyon or right just gone out on a starry night or whatever it might be just feeling his bigness and your smallness yes that's exactly on the surface this is very much yes so yeah beautiful from that perspective i mean we can all it speaks to us all we feel it in our hearts we've been here in our minds we thought oh my goodness why would god take one look at me i'm so tiny i'm not he must have bigger things to pay attention to and why would he care about me and that's where he's really expressing that so you can see the beauty of it from that perspective which is fantastic that line in verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? And this is actually the center of the psalm, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Verse. Uh, I think. Just, I, I, just I to totally throw it back there. Yeah. Yeah. So we really find our crux of the psalm 
probably in this verse right here. I think that makes perfect sense that we would. And so when we get here and we read that and it sounds so, you know, easy to understand and interpret, man is parallel to son of man. These were just ways of talking about people, human beings. Right. We see that all through Ezekiel. It does sound a little strange. Yeah, it sounds a little strange to us. All through Ezekiel, God references Ezekiel, though, as son of man. Son of man do this, son of man do that. It's really kind of a, in a sense, a way of putting Ezekiel in his place. I mean, the priesthood got really high and mighty um, before they left and uh, were taken away to Babylon. Hey, now Ezekiel's a priest, but he's in Babylon, but he's God's man and God used him, but God continues to call him son of man, son of man. Hey, you being, you know, no, you're, you know, you're not too big for your bridges. Come on, you know, you're going to speak my word to people, whatever. So we've heard it that way several times. But then we hear of a son of man in Daniel chapter 7, who had, who it comes on the clouds of heaven. He looks like a son of man. That's the thing. Yes. He was like a son of man. Daniel looks up and says one like a son of man came up before the ancient of days, but then the ancient of days put on him all power, dominion, authority over all things was given to him. And then he sat on a throne right beside the ancient of days. Okay. Now that's weird because how does somebody who's a man this this what is man that you're mindful of him that's right son of man that you would care for him one of those one of those one of those somehow gets given all things how is this and so daniel's looking at it i think and many commentators agree that's the reason he uses the word like this is too hard for him to assimilate he can only say it sure looked like a human being but how could it be? Because how would a human being be given on. all right. the power and authority of God? And so he's got, he has nowhere to place that. Jesus comes along. And calls himself son of man. <laughs> Nobody else does, though. Right. Through and, every gospel, you can't find one place where anybody calls Jesus the son of man except Jesus himself. Right. And, I think he's trying to throw us back there because yes. he's saying, I am that son of man. I'm that son of man. I look like a son of man. That's right. Look like a human being. But I've been given all all power. power, authority, glory of God is bestowed upon me. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, religious leaders of the time, knew what he was doing when he said that. Yeah, and it they certainly got very it by angry. the end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Even if they were a little unsure at first, by the end they know exactly what he's saying, and that's why they send him to the cross. Whenever he okay. says "Son of Man," you'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. They're like, "Oh, you think you're that? You think You've you're heard that the Daniel blasphemy?" Son? They say that. That Daniel reference in chapter 7. Yeah, you think you're that? Oh, well, you've heard the blasphemy, everybody. What do you say? Crucify him, crucify him. So that's how we get to that point. He's not crucified for saying he's the Messiah. He's crucified for claiming to be the Son of Man. That's what gets Which is so confusing to me. To us. Yes, that's Uh, right. I guess we're going off here on a little tangent, but it's been very confusing because to me, that is not a... Seems like why would that be such? It's not a, a divine name. Yeah, son, son of, of God man. would have made him mad, I would think. Right. But son of man. But when you get when the you associate it with Daniel, Daniel though, reference, and then, then you're like, oh, yeah, that's so, boy, that would make him mad. Yeah, he's a human being who's claiming to have all power, authority, glory of God bestowed upon him. Mm-hmm. The dominion of God is exactly what he is. Yes, which is true. Yeah, in his case, it's true. 
in anybody else's case, it might have been blasphemy, would have been blasphemy, but not for Jesus. Right. No, it's exactly right. So, yeah, that. so there we have that Son of Man reference. So, and then, like you said, Jesus used it all through his ministry, and I was saying only by him, not by anybody else. But obviously, this became a significant thing for the early church. They saw him as the Son of Man. Right. the Daniel son of man. Right. So they weren't shy later on of using that title for him. Right. He's son of man. Now, along comes the Hebrew writer, and this would be one of our later letters written in the New Testament. And the Hebrew writer is going to talk about this very psalm. Because when he's describing Jesus in chapters 1 and 2, in chapter 2, verse 5, this is where I want to start reading in just a paragraph here so we can listen to it because he's quoting this song in a way that would be completely different from what we from the original writer's intention, it would seem. So it says in cha- Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5, as he's talking about Jesus and how Jesus has been exalted by God far above anything or anyone else. He says in 2.5, For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. Notice how the writer has just, he quoted it, and then he just went to this place where he said, okay, he's put everything in subjection to him. Well, wait, 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 who are we talking about? Him, him, mankind? Nope, he's been talking about Jesus the whole time. So he's quoted this, and now he's continuing to talk about Jesus. In putting everything in subjection to him, he's left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. We don't yet see it with our eyes. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Whoa. Oh my goodness. He just used that psalm and said, hey, this is all about Jesus. The son of man here is more than we think it was. More than, yes. He just More than the writer knew. More than the writer knew. That's the whole thing the Hebrew writers say. Hebrew writers like, I know what that original writer was saying, but I'm telling you that son of man right there, that's the real fulfillment, the big fulfillment. Yes. Is it fulfilled in us in some yes. way? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are a, what would be called maybe a primary fulfillment yes. of that verse, the first fulfillment, what you'd see ordinarily. Because he is mindful of us and he does care for us. That's and right. And he has put us, uh, given dominion over this What we see, uh, yeah, over the earth in some sense, <laughs> uh, that's given to us. To yes. Us. Uh, but, Genesis chapter one. Right. You know. But what? the Hebrew writer is saying is that this is bigger. Uh, yes. He's this like, is... okay, but in this, there's a greater fulfillment. Just like all the Old Testament, just like Jesus said, all the Old Testament was really found its fulfillment in him. 
So the Hebrew writer goes to Psalm 8 and was like, oh yeah, there it is. Much greater fulfillment in Jesus himself, who truly was made lower. The one who was so high and then truly made lower, made lower. than even the angels. I mean, coming in the form of man and being a helpless, yeah. helpless like infant. Yes, the great God of the universe in Jesus became a helpless crowned infant. With glory and honor. Oh, man. And given dominion over the work of your hands. Oh, man. So he truly fulfills this as we never could, as we never would be able to. Right. So, wow, what a fulfillment of this psalm. Truly, Jesus does fulfill all the scriptures. He is the real, the real big, great sense we should get out of this is really found in him. Right. I love that. To me, that is dramatic. That is a powerful thing happening in this psalm and the way it's being interpreted in the New Testament that it should inform us right. about how to return to the Old Testament and start reading with different eyes. Yes. Be careful that you don't look at that and say, well, the Hebrew writer didn't know what he was talking about and he was using the scriptures wrong. Right. Be very careful of that. That is not what's happening here. Because we really should be taking our clues from the way these New Testament writers were using scripture. That's right. They're the ones who had, many of them walked with Christ, mm -hmm. had um, had him open their eyes mm -hmm. and reveal himself in all of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so we don't get to argue with that. <laughs> right, exactly. We shouldn't, we don't we shouldn't get to take issue. Smarter. That's right. We are not smart. Uh, and so just even seeing what he's doing here lets us know seeing what the hebrew writer if we believe the hebrew writer is inspired which i certainly do and yet i believe also this psalmist is inspired i certainly do then in some way the holy spirit was lining this up so that it would speak of ultimately of jesus he was using these original words pinned in wonderful inspiration to then also affect how the hebrew writer saw things and then wrote his own words inspired through the holy spirit to point and help everybody understand what yeah. those are really about what these things are really about i'm so thankful for that because it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful on like you said just the original level mm -hmm. that the ultimate fulfillment in jesus yes. makes it you know mind-blowing yeah oh yeah mind-blowing so then we get to the rest of the psalm like and you've already read part of verse five for us Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. So the original writer, you've made mankind a little lower than the heavenly beings uh, and crowned him with glory and honor. And you have given him dominion over the work of your hand. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. So verse 7 and 8 really taking us again back to Genesis 1, showing us all these different it's levels actually of going backwards. Yeah, kind of going backwards for us. So now, yeah, I kind of covered all, all the bases from, from front to back, right back to the beginning, that man has been put over all these things, which is certainly Ultimately. what God tells mankind in Genesis chapter 1. However, then, now we see it. Now the Hebrew really writer wants dominion. to say yes. Where's that dominion really found? The one who became man, a son of man, who was made lower than the angels, but is the true son of man, given all glory, authority, and dominion of God, and has it all, and sits in heaven, reigns from heaven above. That's the one. And we know that scripture tells us that through Jesus' 
all things were made. Yes. And created. So yeah. he was there in the beginning. He's got dominion over this. Oh, yeah. Over everything. Right. So. Exactly. Um, so beautiful from that perspective. And then it closes again by what we've already said, which has given us that inclusio, O Lord, our Lord, O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name, that your name that goes yes. through all the earth. Um, so truly, once you get a grasp of the Jesus story, then it becomes then even it more really majestic yeah. and greater. You're like, yeah. this, this is amazing. This is the most incredible yeah. thing. Yeah. I get excited if I think about uh, God seeing like him experiencing us getting that. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, Imagine God watching going, us. Ah, hey, they, they got, got it. it. Thank goodness. <laughs> they see oh, it. They got my point. And I, I kind of love that thought yeah yes he's Uh, rooting for us yeah exactly (laughs) and if we can be excited when somebody gets our little you know turn (laughs) phrase or innuendo or whatever and we're like oh i'm so glad they caught that or when our kids understand something yeah that too yeah you see the light bulb so excited with the light bulb yeah i think that's how he feels when we see things like times a thousand yeah exactly um well, great Psalm. Really love going through it with y'all. We're going to go into Psalm 9 and 10. These actually were originally written as one long Psalm. We're going to do that next time. Go into that. We'll see how long this takes us. If it takes us a couple of times, it's fine. But um, we'll just, I think y'all are going to be totally amazed as what we see here and what what we discover. So, um, so take a look. And keep um, listening. Yep. Keep listening. Love you all. So glad that you joined us and we will look forward to talking to you in just a few days. God bless.